right, how's everybody doing today? Good? Peachy? It's good. Uh, who remembers the name of our series that we're in? Oh, 10 of you got it. Audacious prayers. These are prayers that um, it takes a lot of faith to pray. Um, us, uh, we have our maintenance prayers, as I say, is like every day catching up with Jesus, uh, asking forgiveness of our sins, just asking for our everyday things. And then there's like these once-in-a-lifetime prayers um, that we pray. Who knows what prayer this is? How many have we done so far? Oh, there you go. We did four so far, so this is five. The first week, who remembers the first week? Yep, Lord, increase my faith. Second week was Michael, and his was send me. And then it was search me, and then break me. Those are hard prayers, right? Like that's not feel good, uh, feel good things to talk about. But um, again, not everything we do in the church or not everything Jesus wants us to do is just meant for you to feel good. Um, if feeling good was the goal, uh, then we would just, you know, we would have a much different approach to ministry than we have. Than we have. The Bible would look a lot different. Um, so, but I, again, I'm glad you're here. Uh, in a, to go off of that, there's going to be times, if you're following Jesus, you're giving your life to Jesus, there's going to be times where God is going to have you do something that you might not want to do right? Would you guys all agree with that? Like something that might be out of your comfort zone to do, um, something that's kind of out of our societal norms in our everyday society that God will ask you to do this or not do this, and people around you will think that you got like a screw loose. They'll think that maybe something's wrong with you because you don't do what everybody else does. And so, like, we're asked to do things as a church and as people of God that are really countercultural. Like, that are, like, super countercultural. Um, you know, and it's just not going to make sense to some people. And oftentimes, like that, we get confronted with, like, a, a fork in the road of life. All right? Maybe some of you have been in that fork in the road of life. To either do what feels right or to obey God. Has anybody ever thought of like, oh yeah, I have a nice little graphic here that uh, Pastor Brian made. Uh, that's me scratching my head being like, which way do I go? Uh, <laughs> if all the forks in life were that easy, <laughs> do I obey God or do I just do what feels right? But if I were to ask you guys, everybody here could think of a time in their life where they were confronted with a situation where it's like, this feels right, but it's wrong, or to obey God. And you have to, like, go against your feelings or go against what everybody's telling you to do or what, what you think you should do. And, and it's hard, um, and it's not easy. But sometimes God wants us to do things that doesn't always feel right. And so we as a people can't just go off of our feelings, right? Like, like I don't feel like it, you know? It's never—that doesn't hold up in God's eyes. And a lot of times, you know, we have to choose to obey God. And really— Obeying God despite our feelings is an act of worship. 
Obeying God despite our feelings is an act of worship. So like every part of me feels like doing this, but I know God says this, so I'm going to obey God. And, and really that's a, it's a form of worship. I'm going to follow you, God. You know, that could be, a lot of things might come to your mind. It could be being genuinely kind to someone that is really hard to be kind to. It could be telling the truth when everybody's lying and it's so easy to lie, but you just know you got to tell the truth. It's like, you know, not like, you know, anybody here like ever bought a, a car or a truck from a private owner? Like Christians always get faced with a major moral dilemma when that happens. Do you want to know why? For people who bought, deal with car titles and purchases of cars? Yeah, you, you, yeah. It's like the ultimate, like the biggest lie in, in, that we get faced with in this ordeal is like you tell how much you paid for the vehicle. And so I bought a truck from somebody off of Craigslist like, you know, like, what, eight years ago or something, my old Ford F-150 that sits across the street now because I sold it to Pete. Um, but I, when I bought that, you know, the guy's like, I left the sale price blank so you could write whatever you want. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I just feel like I'm selling my soul to the devil for like 300 bucks if I do that, <laughs> you know. And it's like, but he's like, everybody does it. It's no big deal. You're not going to get found out. And it's like, I don't, my God doesn't want me to lie. You know, it's like one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not lie. <laughs> like, how can I lie about this? And take it down there, look him in the eye and say, I got this for a buck. Um, and so, you know, I feel that way. Here's a big one in the church for single folks. I feel for single folks because it's so hard to be a follower of Jesus and to be single and to find somebody who's really going to pull you closer to Jesus and not pull you away. And a lot of times what happens with single folks is, they find somebody who's attractive and nice and they actually pay their bills and they're a good person and you there's some chemistry there, but that person doesn't love Jesus. And so really you know you should break up with that person because being with that person is going to pull you away from Jesus. And so like people all the time, it's like, well, it feels so right. Like I've looked for so long and they just seem like the right person. It's like the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever because they're going to pull you away from who, who God wants you to be. And so, you know, it's so hard. I mean, this stuff isn't easy. In the world we live in, it really says this, like, follow your heart, right? Like any Disney movie you've ever seen, just says, follow your heart. And the Bible says your heart is, like, unbelievably wicked. <laughs> Your heart's wicked. It's going to pull you. Like if you just listen to yourself and you're your own compass without God, it's going to lead you in places you don't want to go. Many of you here have tried following your heart for a long time and it didn't work. Just do what you want. And like, you know, do what feels good. If it feels good, do it. You know, that was a mantra for a season. If it feels good, do it. And it's not. That's how people become addicted to crack. You know, like it feels good. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> it's a, and like following your heart is a sneaky way of saying like do whatever you want do whatever you want and that's not how God works okay and I know this is a big build up to our main text but when it comes to this the Bible says this and this isn't our main text but this is what the Bible says it doesn't say follow your heart in Luke 9 23 it says this and Jesus said to all if anyone would come after me let him deny himself 
and take up his cross when? Daily. Like, don't just take up your cross once. Take it up every day and follow me. So we aren't supposed to follow ourselves. We are supposed to die to ourselves and follow Jesus. Because if you listen to your heart and follow your heart only without Jesus and without God pointing you in the right direction in God's word, like, you're going to lead yourself astray. It's literally like the blind leading the blind. So um, don't follow yourself. We'll be led astray. We'll make bad decisions. Um, so don't look into yourself. And now I'm saying all this to set up our big audacious prayer for the day because this audacious prayer, in my opinion, A, might be the hardest one of all of them, you know, and it might be the hardest one to do, but it's the one that has the most chains in the church. If you get what I mean by chains, like it gots the most, it gots. It ha- <laughs> sorry, uh, my fourth grade math or English teacher, uh, sorry for saying that if you're watching. Um, it has like the most chains in us and, and like Satan uses this topic in the church to really like put his claws into us the most and keep us the most um, chained up, I guess. And so it's really like hard for the church to, to do this, but it's the most important thing we could possibly do. Okay, so I'm setting it up big. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible or you don't have it on your phone, this will also be up here. Um, and this is a story of the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, when Jesus was on the cross, and it's Luke's account of this story. And so you have to think about this. Before this point, Jesus, who was and is the Son of God. Like, just imagine, Jesus was there in the Garden of Eden. Like, Jesus was there when the world was created. Jesus was, you know, part of the Trinity. He was equal with God up in heaven, looking down on all of creation and all of history up to this point. And Jesus comes down to earth, puts on flesh. He's born of a baby on Christmas and born in a manger. And he comes down to live with us, being that he's fully God, to save us, like to save mankind on the cross and to forgive all of our sins because our hearts are evil and wicked and we need a Savior. So he came down to save us and leave his throne in paradise to come down with us. And what did we do to him? We beat him up. We spit in his face. We slapped him. We punched him in the face. We stripped him naked and put him on a cross. Like, think about our God that came down to save his people, what we did to him. It's so important that we reflect on this when it comes to Easter and Good Friday to just let it soak in how much we abused our God. And so all this happened, and and he's up on the cross, and so we're in Luke 23, verse 33. And it says, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, the two other criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said um, of the people that crucified him and of the people that were mocking him, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others. Why can't he save himself if he's God's Messiah, if he's the chosen one? <laughs> he can't save himself. Like, they're 
ridiculing him, mocking him, mocking him. The soldiers also came up and mocked him, and they offered him wine and vinegar. And he said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. If you think you're so powerful and you're dying on a cross, what's wrong with you? Like, basically is what they're saying to Jesus. And so what did Jesus pray when all this was happening? He just said, Father, forgive them. He said, Father, please forgive these people. Forgive them for what they're doing to me. The most holiest man, the holiest being to walk the earth as God incarnate. Forgive them for, for doing this to me. And so the audacious prayer to just set it, and then we'll, we'll kind of unpack it, is this. Um, praying for those who have hurt you. So it's not necessarily a prayer, but it's praying. Like, the audacious prayer is to pray for people that is for those who have hurt you. And I specifically wanted to say this this way, because if I were to say, okay, pray for your enemies. Okay, this is what I want you to do, church. Pray for your enemies. This could be something so big that you don't really apply it to your own soul. Do you get what I'm saying by that? Okay, I'm going to go pray for Kim Jong-un because he's one of our enemies or something. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go pray for Osama bin Laden, even though I know he's dead. But I'm going to pray for him and, because he's an enemy. And, like, we think about enemies in the same way we think about love your neighbors. You know, the church is supposed to love their neighbors, right? And so we're like, oh, I love my neighbors. But you're a jerk to your own family. You know what I mean? Like, like we got to think of your neighbors as anybody around you and your enemies are anybody that have hurt you, anybody that you dislike, anybody that has abused you in your past, anybody that's offended you a little bit or a lot, it's, it's like you, people that have, that have hurt you. It's got to be really hard. You got to think about that a person in your past that has really hurt you, and some of us can't even fathom praying for that person, let alone forgiving them, but to actually pray for them, like, God, I pray for them. I pray that you have mercy on them. I pray that what they did to me, they don't do to anybody else. Or I pray that they can find you. I pray that they find peace. Because when you pray for somebody, particularly somebody who's hurt you, you're asking God to bring out the best in that person. I pray for the best. I pray that something good happens to them. And that's so hard to do to somebody that's hurt you, isn't it? It's so hard to do to somebody that's hurt you. Blessing our enemies doing good to those who don't even like us. Like, that's really countercultural, right? Like, that's really abnormal in our world's eyes. I mean, like, all of our favorite movies are based on the premise of holding a grudge and getting revenge, right? <laughs> like, Gladiator killed his whole family, and the whole movie's about him getting revenge. You know? Like, all these, movies, like all these things, all these stories we love about, like, getting revenge and, like, overtaking our enemies. And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I want for the church. I want you to actually love your enemies. I want you to do good to them. I want you to bless them. If somebody smacks you on the face, like, turn to the other side and let them smack the other side. If one of your enemies wants your coat, you know, give them the shirt off your back as well. It's like we are called to be a different people. Um, this is what Jesus taught his whole ministry. Matthew 5.44 says, Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. 
It's all right there. We are called not only to forgive people that have offended us in any way, like we can't hold anything against anybody. We have to forgive everybody. Take it a step further. We have to do good to them and, and hope for the best and bless them and also to pray for them. This is very hard stuff. It's very hard stuff in dealing with a church that has everything from like little minor offenses like I came to church and nobody said hi to me, so I'm offended and I like you know, Kim didn't say hi to me, and she always does. I'm mad at her. I'm never going to talk to her again. To, like, I was sexually abused as a kid. And this guy is, like, free still. And I don't know if he's still doing this to other people. Like, there's a whole myriad of offenses. There's offenses that happen in your family where you're maybe having a hard time forgiving your dad or you're having a hard time forgiving your wife or your husband. And you're thinking, oh man, like, I live with this person or I see them every Thanksgiving and how do I forgive and how do I move on? And how do we do this? And we can't do it on our own. Like we, we literally can't do it. The only way we break these chains is by tapping into the power of Christ, amen? When I say like, when we say one of our core values at J-Road is intimacy with Jesus, what we're saying is like you are walking so close with Jesus that he fills in all the gaps where we're weak. I can't forgive, but I'm walking so close to Jesus, I can tap into his mercy and offer it to other people. I'm not strong enough for that, but I know Jesus is, and I'm so connected with Jesus that I can do this. I can actually pray for those who've hurt me. The reality is, if Jesus can forgive his offenders, we must forgive our offenders. If Jesus can forgive his offenders, we can forgive ours. And so, this is hard. As, as you guys know, 2020 has been a year of division, not only in America, like in our, in our jobs, in our families. Like many of you have told me stories of in your family how like your family got divided because of whatever happened in 2020, because of an election. Now you and grandma don't talk anymore. It's like ridiculous. Because of, you know, COVID and, and views on COVID, now you don't, you know, your kids aren't coming over for Thanksgiving. Or, you know, all these things. Like, like, it, like there had been division. And the goal isn't to find the camp that you agree with the most and just dig in trenches. The goal is to, like, put aside our differences to love one another for the sake of the kingdom of God. Amen? So Jesus said, love people on the other side. Love people on the other side. Like, figure out, like, get to know them, love them, and not worry about these things enough to, like, divide your families. And even if you look at Jericho Road Church, like our church, and, and many of you know this, we made it through 2020, and I know some churches, like, they didn't. Like, they either closed or they're, like, holding on by a thread. Jericho Road Church made it through 2020, but we didn't make it through with everybody. Would you guys agree with that? You look around here, and may, you know, maybe some of you have been online, you popped in a few times. Like, we didn't make it through with everybody. We lost people. And I'm not saying that, like, saying, like, oh, man, I wish our numbers were up. Like, I don't care about that. You guys know me well enough. I care about that because there's people that are just saying, I'm done. 
I'm done with those people, or I've been offended by people there. I'm not going back, or uh, like, you know, I'm offended by their policies that they had, or the way they were treated, or the way somebody there posted something on Facebook, and so they just never came back. And I, I tell you guys, me as a pastor and the elders, like, we try to reach out to these folks. Like, I try to make sure nobody gets left behind. And there are some people that aren't back back yet, but they want to be, and they're just, they're watching online, or they, they watch on YouTube later, and, like, they're kind of, you know, they're just in that spot where they can't come back yet. Um, but there are people that are just struggling with hurt and bitterness, and I'm not holding it against them. I mean, I just want to make it right. I want you guys to make it right. I want them to make it right. And I still have hope that we can get some of these people back, right? I mean, if the church can't figure out reconciliation, we're screwed, right? If the church can't figure out peacemaking, we are literally screwed, and we've lost. Because the church is God's means for bringing reconciliation to the whole world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, we are God's be, like first and last answer to bringing hope. And I know we're not going to get it right. And I know I made a lot of mistakes. And I know you guys made a lot of mistakes. I've done ugly things. You guys have. And that's why we're constantly staying close to Jesus to get forgiveness for all the stupid stuff I've done. <laughs> and you guys are for the stupid stuff you've done. But at the end of the day, we have the Holy Spirit and we're supposed to bring peace and reconciliation to the world. And certainly bring peace and reconciliation to those of J-Road who have maybe gotten lost along the way. And so I want to encourage you. Like, I mean, I reach out to people, and, you know, some people are like, I don't know, I'm just still hurt. Like, that's on them to forgive if I ask forgiveness. But if you guys, like, we should be the people that pursue peace, right? Like, we should be pursuing peace. So if you feel in your heart, like, God brings somebody to your mind, like, call them up. I know people have asked me, like, hey, have you ever seen Sally Sue? Like, where is she? I miss her. I'm like, here's her number. Call her. Nah, you call her. Let me know how she's doing. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, call her. God's put her on your heart and just tell her, I miss you. Let's work this out. And believe it or not, you guys have and I have worked out things with people that I didn't think could be worked out, and it's beautiful now. Like, Jesus did a miracle. And so, I mean, I get off on a tangent because I believe this is so important for people that are here, but also people that aren't here. And we got to be pursuers of peace and pursuers of reconciliation. And we got to learn to forgive above all, above all things. Um, it's, it's just so important to God. There's a verse that keeps coming to mind, and it's right after the Lord's Prayer that we just studied. It's Matthew 6.15. Matthew 6.15 says, but if you, ref-, Jesus said, if you refuse to give, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will for not forgive your sins. And I know there's a lot of different takes on this verse, but this verse is said a couple different times throughout the Bible. It is so, so very important. And it speaks to how much weight God puts on. I want you guys to forgive others. Because you've been forgiven for so much. The whole church is built on forgiveness. Like your salvation is built on accepting forgiveness of all of your sins. You need to extend that to other people. And Jesus says, or your, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. And it's just showing this weight of like, you got to do this. Like this, Forgiveness isn't an option. And I say that the first part of the sermon for very important reasons, because I talk to a lot of people that say, I'm just not ready to forgive yet. 
And really, it's not a matter of being ready. Like, if you wait till you're ready, it's never going to happen. If you wait till the feelings come, it's never going to happen. It's tapping into, I am going to forgive because I know that God has forgiven me, and I know God wants me to forgive others, so I'm going to forgive. And the feelings might not be there at first, and that's okay. And so, how do we get there? How do we get to that place where we can actually pray for those who have hurt us? I have three quick points. How do we get there? And the first is this. And these are like points, minor points on forgiveness. But it's to know this. Forgiving someone isn't saying that what they did was right. This is like very important for us to know as a church. Oftentimes that we have a trouble forgiving somebody because we don't want to let them off the hook. This person hurt us. This person offended us. This person abused us. And if I forgive them, it's like me saying what they did was okay. And that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not condoning the offender who's offended you. It's saying, despite what you did for me, and despite what you did, I am going to forgive you. Not because you are such a forgivable person, but I'm forgiving you out of my love for God. Do you, get, do you get what I'm saying by that? I'm not saying that you are so deserving of forgiveness. I just need to forgive you. It's saying that I am so undeserving of forgiveness and my God forgave me. And so what more can I do than forgive you? And what I think in my mind sometimes, maybe it's right or wrong, is if we cannot forgive other people, then we must not fully realize how bad our sin was to be forgiven before God. Like, we must not realize how big of a wretch we were before God. Like, how close we were to eternal damnation and hell. Like, how close we were. If we were walking around like, I would never do that. I would never do that. I'm a pretty good person. I would not do that. The Bible says we're all sinners, right? Every single one of us have sinned. And it doesn't matter if you lied on your truck's title or you've murdered somebody. You're all in the same boat as sinners before God. And so when you look at yourself with your nose up and thinking that your stuff smells like roses, <laughs> some of you knew where I was going with that before. You're like, go on, say it. It's like you're not realizing the depth of the pain that you caused God and how he didn't say, I'm going to forgive Tom Zeller because he's such a good person. He's saying, no, despite his mess and my mess, I'm going to, despite everybody's mess, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die for them. Not because they're deserving, but because I love them. So when you forgive somebody, it's not saying what they did was right. It was saying that I need to do this out of obedience for God. And we need to um, forgive them. Here's a quote by our intern, Emily Fecken. I told her I would quote her because what I do sometimes is I get input from my sermon and she had good input. I'll share this with you. And I told her I would cite the source. I was going to take it as my quote, but I won't. Uh, Forgiveness doesn't dismiss the pain you feel, but it does say, I'm not defined by this hurt. I'm not defined by these words or these actions. Instead, I'm defined by God who calls me beloved, child, chosen, precious, and image bearer. 
it's not saying that I am dismissing the hurt that I feel, that it was okay. It's saying I'm not going to be defined by it any longer. I'm only going to be defined by who God says I am. Amen? Okay. Number two. Knowing um, that, I don't know if this is even worded right. I might have to apologize if my teacher is right. But knowing that forgive and forget might not happen, and that's okay. So we talk a lot about forgiveness, and we need to forgive because God has forgiven us, and Jesus has forgiven us, and we need to be forgiving people. Um, anybody here ever heard of the phrase forgive and forget? Like, okay, that's a good phrase. I use it, you know, my buddy, uh, like, let's just say he dented my truck. And I'm like, you know what, man, forgive and forget. Don't worry about it. And, and it's like saying to the, like, we think that's in the Bible. That's really not in the Bible anywhere, like forgive and forget. And I know so many believers that say, I can't forgive somebody because I know that I will never forget this. And you might not ever forget the offense that happened to you. And that's okay. Um, Jesus, you know, God said, I'll remember their sins no more. So God must have that capacity not to remember our sin. But we are called to keep no record of wrongs. Okay? Like, we're not called to forget. Because, I don't know about you, but I might not forget. But we are called to keep no record of wrongs. And so we are supposed to forgive and not bring it up again. Forgive and not gossip. Forgive and let it go. But forgive and forget, that might not happen for you. And that's okay. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want you to be discouraged by this. Um, a lot of times, especially when we have big trauma in our lives and we have uh, something that has happened to us, we forgive them before God, and God is so happy that you've forgiven them and that you've moved on, but later on it comes up again. Like, what happens when that comes up in your mind again? What are you supposed to do? Just bring it before God and say, God, please take this. And it causes us to have this, like, intimate, close walk with Jesus because if the more we remember it, the more we bring it to Jesus and let him heal us of that. Um, but I don't want us to be discouraged if we can't forget an offense that happened to us because we might not forget. But if we can forgive and let God do his healing work within us, we can move on. We can, we can move on. And uh, the forgetting might not happen. It's not an easy process. And number three, you are to forgive not because you feel like it, but rather because Jesus forgave you. We are forgiven people. Jesus died on the cross so we, that, we could, that we could be forgiven. Um, so your forgiveness came with a high price. The fact that you are here today and you know that when you die that you're going to be in heaven because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ— and you are excited about that, and you're looking forward to the return of Jesus, and you can't wait to be up in heaven for all eternity, all of that came at a super high price, and that was the cost of Jesus dying on the cross. Your forgiveness was very expensive. And some of you might have a very big offense that happened to you, and whatever that is, whether it's minor, whether it's big, we do that not out of our, our own hearts, but out of the price it took for Jesus to forgive us. It took Jesus' life. He had to die in order for us to even have forgiveness possible. And we accepted that, and we enjoyed the fruits of that forgiveness. And so he's saying, 
We, in turn, need to bless other people with forgiveness. Because guess what? If you are here today, maybe you've forgiven everybody. There's going to be a time in your life where you're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. Somebody you love is going to be offended, and you're going to be hurt. And you need to tap into this forgiveness that Jesus has offered you. And so this is supernatural. When you can't forgive, and maybe you're here today, and you're saying, you kind of tuned me out, and you said, I still can't forgive. Um, That has happened. Um, And if you want to forgive, the first thing you can do is get on your knees and ask Jesus to forgive you of your unforgiveness and receive his love, receive his forgiveness, and ask him and tell him you want to forgive others and tap into his mercy and his grace so you can extend it to others. That's kind of been the theme here, right? We don't have this in and of ourselves. We're weak without Jesus, and we tap into him and draw close to him in prayer. We can give this to others, and we could forgive our enemies, and we could also pray for them, and that's our audacious prayer. Um, I'm going to talk about this next Sunday as well. We're going to go in, keep in forgiveness for next week. Um, So I'm going to stop right there today. Um, But I want you to think about praying for those who have hurt you, praying for those who have hurt you.